Good morning, Anu. A very warm greetings from Nishant Malhotra, and welcome to the podcast at the Middle Road. Thank you, Nishant. Anu, you have been an iconic leader, not only in business but also in social change. You turned around Thermax when few women entrepreneurs were working in India. You have been awarded the Padma Shri Award, the fourth highest civilian award in the Republic of India. Would you like to talk about your journey through time? Sure, uh, Nishan. You talked about my turning around the company. I did not do this individually, unless I had support from my family, my employees, and many well wishers. It could never have happened. So I would not like to. Hog all the credit for the turnaround. Uh, I came from an upper middle class family, and uh, I had two older brothers who were constantly given the message that they should join the family business. Whereas, though I was better than them in studies, I was constantly reminded. That my main goal in life should be to marry and to have children. I went to Saint Xavier's College and did my economics and political science, and then went to Tata Institute to do medical and psychiatric social work. Uh, soon after I passed out, I married a wonderful man called Rowenton, and. I would say a lot of my growth was thanks to him nudging me, pushing me to be, remain a career woman. Uh, we, I had my daughter in Mumbai, and we moved to Pune when the business needed to be expanded. Husband Rointon was a very good friend of my brother's, and my brother persuaded Rointon. To join our company, Renton had studied at Cambridge and had a had very good jobs with multinationals like Burma Shell and Duncan Brothers, and he chose to join a small outfit, unknown outfit, because he felt in the bigger firms the perks and pay were excellent, but he couldn't make a difference, and you had to be a white man. To reach the top, so he took a risk and joined the company. Uh, we moved to Pune. I had my son there, and for some time I didn't work, and took it leisurely. My husband kept nagging me that I should uh, get back to work, and my rebelliousness was hooked. And I said, "Now I don't have to do what you tell me." Anyway, out of the blue. My husband, when he was in his late forties, had a massive heart attack, and doctors advised that we should go to the UK to have the bypass done. We went to the we went to London, and the bypass was a success. But on the second day, he had a stroke, and this brilliant man couldn't recognize me, had forgotten his A B C D. His alphabets and the numbers. In a stroke, you could be depressed or you could be angry. 
In a way, thank God Renton was angry because he could mobilize himself to write A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3, 4, for months. Uh, of course, the family got the brunt of his anger and it was a difficult period because normally, before the stroke, my husband was a very good-natured man. Uh, his right hand was partially paralyzed and he couldn't grip anything. And we asked the physiotherapist in London uh, if he could tie the shoelace. And he, he suggested that for a month he practices tying a big bow on his thigh and then attempt tying the shoelace. Renton for the full night kept tying the bow and next day when the physiotherapist came, he tied the shoelace. He really made everyone wonder how such things were possible. But his determination and grit to get well was great. Uh, when we came to Mumbai, all the well-wishers said that I should take interest in Thermax because we were still a private limited company and my two children were relatively Being a professionally run company, my only entry could be in the human resource. So for five years, I worked under a wonderful head called Prasad Kumar who invested in me and helped me to grow. Five years later, when Prasad wanted to be a consultant, he told my husband that I was ready to take over. I thoroughly enjoyed my role in HR and we had many innovative practices and won many awards in India. I had promised my daughter, who had married a wonderful man called Feroz, that when she had a first child, I'll be with her for six months. I kept my promise when she was about to deliver and went to London, where they were posted. Quentin uh, came to London twice and we celebrated his 60th birthday there. When I returned after my six months, Renton was delighted to have me back and he drove down from Pune to Mumbai to receive me at the airport and drive me back to Pune. But destiny had some other, uh, other ideas. And at the guest house, before he came to pick me up, he had a massive heart attack and he died. Uh, two days after Renton's death, the Thermax board met and said I should be the executive chairperson. I was not willing to take on this responsibility because I felt I was not an engineer, I am not good at finance and how would I be able to run an engineering company? But the board was very firm that I should take on this responsibility. A year before Renton passed away, Thermax had gone public and in a few months after his death, the 400 rupee share had come down to 35. During Renton's time, we had gone into many businesses which added to our top line but eroded our bottom line. For example, we were in software much before Infosys or Wipro but didn't know how to manage this as a IT company and 
tried to run it from our engineering mindset and were not successful. We were in electronics. We were the first company to go in for wind turbine way before government declared the tax breaks. And so it wasn't successful. We were into silos. But at that time, again, the Mondays didn't use silos. So we were not successful. One day, I received an anonymous letter saying, I don't know your financial position, Mrs. Aga, but you have let me down because Thermax is doing so badly. For my husband and me, letting down is a dirty word. And I couldn't sleep for many days. I was very agitated. I knew I had to do something, but didn't know what. Luckily, a good friend came for dinner that day, and he was the chair of Boston Consulting Group. Mayor was with me, and we showed him the letter. And he said, Boston Consulting Group can help Thermax to turn around. When I talked about it to my senior executives, they were dead against it. They felt they would charge a very hefty fees and at a time when we were not doing well, we can't afford to pay this hefty fees. But I took it to the board and the board supported me and we engaged BCG and we divested out of all the non-core businesses. We brought in uh, performance culture. In Thermax, my husband and I felt that since there is no social net, we could afford to carry a few non-performance. But I felt this could not be carried on and we had to demand performance. We reconstituted the entire board, which meant asking all the old board members to resign and reconstitute a new board. The old board had nine executive directors. In the olden days, when an executive did well, one way to recognize that person was to invite him on the board. We had nine executive directors who, when things were going well, were fine. But when their performance was bad, found it difficult to sit on the board and objectively evaluate their own performance. So in the new board at that time, we had four independent directors and only our MD was the executive director. Mayor and Feroz, who were used to running businesses and being on the board, were asked to decide whether they would like to continue running or be on the board. They were quite annoyed with me for giving this Hobson's choice. But today, they are very grateful that I insisted and they decided to be on the board. A few years later, Thermax turned around and I decided to be non-executive chairperson and at 61, I retired from the company. And the board decided that Mayor should be the chairperson. She is far more, uh, far suited to be, hold this position because she's done her master's in chemical engineering from Imperial College 
and she has a good feel for finance and has imbibed the family values. Thanks for sharing a very comprehensive and poignant journey. Anu, you have been a stalwart in social space. You have taken groundbreaking and superlative initiatives in promoting equitable and quality education for the less privileged people in the society and promoting gender equality. Take us through your work with Akanksha Foundation, Teach for India, where you are a co-founder, and Thermax Foundation. My son Kurush had spent eight years abroad and the last uh, thing was a one-year stint in Venezuela and my husband and I both had been there and suggested that he comes back and tries out working in Thermax and if he doesn't like it, he could go back. Uh, Kurush, when he came back, was very keen to get to know his father better. He always put him up on a pedestal and looked up to him but was not very close to him. He was very close to me, but we were having a very up-down relationship. Sometimes we'd be very close and sometimes we'd fight a lot. So, after Kurush came away, in eight days Renton passed away. And Renton, uh, Kurush was quite bitter because, as I said, one of his reasons for coming was to get to know his father better. One day out of the blue, Kurush told me that, please, mummy, let's give 70 to 80 percent of what we earn to social causes. And he put a gun at me and he said, if you don't, I will go back abroad. I'm not a person who likes to do anything under compulsion. So I told him he was free to leave. But then Mayor and Feroz came in and we all sat and chatted. Kurush apologized and he said, I didn't mean to prescribe an exact amount, but I feel that you are a social worker. There's so much to be done in India and our needs are not very much. So why don't we give? Soon after that, Kurush died in a car accident. And this thought was going through my mind that Kurush wanted us to give quite some amount to the social sector. I inquired and found out that Shaheen runs one of the better NGOs. So I went to Mumbai to meet her. We both clicked. And at that time, Akanksha had centers where the students went to municipal or low-income private schools and came to a center for two and a half hours where they were taught English, maths, creativity and values. Shaheen invited me on the Akanksha board. At the board, we realized that while the children had a lot of self-confidence, because in India, if you could speak good English, people had self-confidence. So they could get low-hanging jobs like salespeople, uh, but they, we couldn't influence their academics very well. So we said, why don't we try and run schools? At that time, I knew the Pune Commissioner Nitin Karir and he readily gave me an empty school building and that was the beginning of our PPP arrangement 
where the municipality gave the infrastructure, the midday meal, books and uniform. Akansha hired the principal and teachers and trained them and invested in them and corporates paid the finances. So this was the PPP arrangement. I am glad to say today we have we have closed down all our centers and moved to the school model and have 21 schools between Mumbai and Pune. Uh, 10 years later, Shaheen said she has a wonderful idea called Based on Teach for America and would I partner her in starting it in India and I readily agreed and that was how Teach for India was started. Between Teach for India and Akanksha, 12 students have got into United World College all over the world in Singapore, Armenia, Italy and all of them are ensured that their graduate studies in the US will be paid by their US donor. So what I think is we are not there just to see that they, the students get good marks but that they turn out to be good human beings who value differences and they don't look at from the lens of gender, caste, community, religion. That's one very important thing. And uh, we in Akansha, we look after the alums because for the first year when we didn't, we found that they, though they, they had done well, the outside influences were very strong and they were not able to continue in the colleges. So now we have a well-established group that looks after the alums who have passed out. And our aim is not to just let them pass well, but to lift them out of poverty. And in Teach for India, our fellows, what we call, are graduates and professionals who give two full years to work in municipal or under-resourced school. And I'm delighted to say that 75% of our alum have stayed back in the social sector. They have not bothered about corporate salaries, but at a very minimal salary, they have stayed on in the social sector, many in the education center. For example, Saurabh joined Teach for India in the first cohort. He had studied at IIT Delhi and worked in many corporates. But when he saw the Teach for India ad, he was attracted. He finished his two years, then joined an Akanksha school and was a teacher rose to be a principal and when we were looking for the CEO of Akanksha and had a headhunter do this job, Saurabh was chosen as the CEO of Akanksha and he is doing a great job. Foundation was started a few years before CSR became compulsory. At that time, we used to give 3% of our profits to the foundation and we supported a few schools which Akanksha were running in Pune. When Teach for India was started, we started supporting Teach for India, 
and another initiative called Pune City Connect, where my daughter is very active, we also supported. The Pune City Connect is a partnership between the Pune Municipal Pune Municipality, corporates, NGOs, and it helps in many areas. But Thermex supported the education initiative. As far as our personal giving is concerned, the family has decided that 30% of the shares, the dividend we get from that, will be given to social causes. And we support mainly Teach for India. But of course, other causes like governance and uh, whatever, a little bit of health, a little bit of music, but mainly Teach for India. Thanks, Anu, for telling us about Thermax CSR and your family philanthropy. I would like to ask you if the new compulsory CSR rule in your India you think could be a game changer. I am not for compulsory CSR. Organizations that cared for the social causes like Tata's, Billa's, Bajaj have done in a large way, way before CSR was made compulsory. But now that it's made compulsory, let's not debate whether it's a good thing now. If taken in the right spirit, it can have a lot of good impact. But at times, government is abdicating its responsibility and pressurizing corporates to do what they ought to be doing. For example, clean uh, Swachh Bharat, the toilet bit. Most PSUs had to spend all the CSR funds on building toilets. So, if there is pressure from government to do things, I am not happy with it. But because you care, you do things, it's a wonderful way. And I wish more corporates would join hands, take up cause, for example, education. Instead of 10 people doing different things in the same school, if they join hands and had a plan of action of how to bring up the quality of education in Pune, I think it can be that. In fact, it is my dream that before I die, we are able to impact every school, be it Marathi, Urdu or English, and in substantive ways, bring up the quality of education in Pune. Thanks, Anu, you know, sharing, sharing these facts. Pune City Connect, I also met Ruchi and you know, a lot of work is being done. I really hope that your dream comes true. I think it's, it's going on the right direction and just needs much more participation, like you rightly said, from the corporates and My next question is on Thermax exclusive Saki initiative, Women Rights and Empowerment in India and Enablers. Gender equality is something which is a must. And India is making a tiny, tiny, is taking tiny steps, but we are hundreds of miles away from it. Uh, women today are still treated as objects and 
female feticide is rampant, not only amongst the poor, but in well-to-do states. Most mothers give differential, parents in fact give differential messages to their boy, child and a girl child. The girl child is not encouraged to study and is married off very early because she is a liability. And though the law says it has to be minimum 18 years, in remote parts of India at 12 girls are married. There are mothers before they are 16, 17. Many have to take the husband's permission before they do anything. In fact, I'm amused by many educated corporate women saying, I have been allowed to work. I have been allowed to do such and such. You know. Can you imagine the husband saying, my wife is allowing me to work? So women don't themselves consider themselves as equal to men and look up to men and put them up on a pedestal. So a lot of work has to be done. The Me Too movement also brought out that not only in India, but also abroad, powerful men, men in responsible positions, take advantage of that and ill-treat women. Yeah, but I, I'm sure you know, a lot of things are happening now. We are there's a lot more safeguard for women. There are a lot of things changing. I'm not so sure, Nishan. Laws have been made, but are women really? secure today. Even today, if a woman goes to a police station and says, my husband beats me, do something, the response from the policeman is, he's your husband, so he has a right to beat you. So what are you making such a big fuss about? With this attitude of policemen, of course now there are women policemen who hopefully are more sympathetic. We are making strides but to my way of thinking, very, very slow. Sanu, you know, you talked a lot about, a lot of challenges here. So, what do you think are the main challenges that you foresee implementing a judicious framework of empowerment for women and equitable education? You could talk about some of the enablers here, which you think would be really nice in case which you like to see. I think the biggest enabler would be education. And the girl child who comes out of Akanksha or TFI is no different from her male counterpart. Uh, we have so many women who have finished their graduation and have got lovely jobs, who are not able to, who, who refuse to marry. Even the Muslim girls say we will not marry. Some who are 30 also have not married yet. So, I would say education and the ability to earn their own living and be independent and not be dependent either on their family or on a husband is a very important thing. Then a social setup, police, laws which protect them when they need help and not shoo them away that don't make a big thing out of a small problem. So. But the most important thing is education. I think even health-wise, a 
girl child is not given the best of nutrition if you are poor and the male is given the best of things so her health is also neglected very often education health messages equal messages respecting both are all the beginnings of empowering women thanks you know you talked about a lot of challenges which are there now if we specifically try to look at corporate world now these are something which is like there in the within the society or within the system but when we do look at the corporate world do you have any specific ideas or anything on how to promote uh, gender rights or uh, better rights within business either in india and or in abroad uh, i think the vishaka guidelines which makes it compulsory for each corporate to have a committee where women can go and complain if there is anything sexually done i think in that respect in the corporate world there are many strides that have been made most corporates have education for the men also what is considered harassment uh, for example putting your arms round a woman in a friendly way to a man may not be seen as harassment but from a woman for a woman who comes from a different background it could be considered as harassment so mary and i have had a few sessions with our women also saying that the best way you can deal with harassment is to be very firm and stop it at the bud and not escalate it to committees the more you are able to take care of yourself the better it is because in the outside world there are no committees so how will you take care of yourself so be very firm assertive and say stop it i don't like it the high net worth individual segment the chennai segment is donating a lot of money in the recent years would you like to talk about key initiatives in the segment and how it is affecting giving about 8 to 10 years ago melinda and bill gates along with warren buffett came to india and with people like azim premji rohini nilikant and many others they started something called indian philanthropic initiative ipi and we meet formally once a year and have offer potential philanthropists many uh, expose them i would say not offer but expose them to different sectors which need philanthropy all through the year each of us take up a cause and try and do something about it and call people in the city to make them aware of the cause and if they want they could give more towards it so this is an initiative that was started we talked a lot about initiatives in business and social space now would you like to elaborate on specific qualities which helped you on your journey in life both on the personal and spiritual front uh, soon after my husband died i attended a buddhist meditation program called vipassana you have to be silent for 10 days and you cannot distract yourself with reading writing listening to music 
and it's a very structured course where through a tape recorder you are told what to do and you get up at 4.30 and till you sleep at 9.30 you have to meditate for one hour and then a small break and then again meditate. It's tough. But when I went for the first time to Igatpuri and saw 700 people doing it, I felt, how am I different from any of them and why should I want to quit? In any case, once I start a thing, I don't quit. So I went through it and found it so helpful. I was able to come to terms with death. I stopped comparing myself constantly with my husband and putting myself down. I said to myself that an apple tree cannot give oranges. So if I want to be like Renton, I will neither enjoy my uh, good points and will keep focusing on my limitations. I found it so helpful that I have been so far for four meditation programs, 10 day programs, one weekend one, and daily meditate for an hour. So, you said my spiritual journey, I don't know if I can call it a spiritual journey, but it's something which has helped me tremendously. I'm still full of shit, but my shit doesn't smell so bad to me. And I can be with, I can be, uh, I can live with my shit. And since I can live with it, I'm more gentle towards other people's shit also. So, do you, in India, if you do meditation or go to a guru, you claim you are a spiritual person. I don't make any such claim. I'm far from being a spiritual person. But I like to experiment with things. Which challenges, which challenge me. Thank you, Anu, sharing a very candid feedback on about your experience with Vipassana. I myself used to practice a lot of Vipassana meditation. I went to a lot of camps. Now, very specifically, did mindfulness help you come to terms in life, you know, be more aware, of be more effective as a manager? I don't know, I don't see a direct relation to being a more effective manager. But I do see I'm more at peace with myself. And uh, I'm still very reactive. I'm not a good listener. I'm judgmental. Uh, all these, but it's a little less. And my life is more on an even keel. I don't have ups and downs very much. I don't hanker after things uh, or relationships. For example, Mayor is someone closest to me. I love her and we enjoy each other. We go for holidays. We have fun together. I laugh the most with her. Earlier when our holidays used to end, I used to feel very sad. Today, I'm not sad at all. I feel, okay, it was wonderful, but now, if I, if it happens against one, wonderful. If it doesn't happen, be good also. Yeah. Coming to terms, that's exactly yeah. the reality. Yeah. Thanks. So finally, I wanted to ask you. You have shared so much. Would you like to share any movie which brings smile or happiness, specifically which is related to a work and social impact? 
when i am with the students of akanksha of teach of teach for india or even the fellows of teach for india i become very hopeful you know sometimes uh you are a little depressed about the future of india when you see 22% of the people below poverty line when you see the dismal educational system when you see such poor spend on health and health and education with the poor spend has lots of corruption also that goes with it but when i see these students and my fellows a smile and hope comes into my life i feel with more people and there are many other foundations like the gandhi foundation many which bring are doing excellent work so if more and more people join these movements i think india has a wonderful future and that brings a big hope and smile on my face thank you anu for giving ample time and speaking so much at length on your personal journey both in business and social space kirishan